and what is up podcast people and soundtrack geniuses everywhere. This is Christopher Coleman and you're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com and this is episode 34. And if you're new to Soundcast, on this podcast we talk about all things soundtrack, which includes film scores, TV scores, and as you'll find by our main topic tonight, video game scores. For the first time ever, we are focusing on the great subgenre of video game music. And on the line with us tonight, we have, of course, Tom Hoover, all the way up in New Jersey. Tom, how you doing? Hey, good evening, everybody. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Absolutely. And the reason why Tom sounds so good tonight is he's on a landline. So we thank God for the landlines. And then all the way up in Canada, we have Marius Maslar. How you doing, Marius? Not too bad. Good deal. And you're coming in nice and clear. I'm making a big deal of this is because last week we had a lot of fun <laughs> with Skype. Um, yes, we did. And, uh, and this week it's seeming to work so far. Um, we also have two special guests on. All our guests are special, but they're always special while they're on. Um, Sasha Dikichian, composer extraordinaire. You know him. He's been on the podcast several times. Uh, composer for works such as the Quake series, Prototype, Tron Evolution, Mag, Mass Effect 2, Borderlands, and the just-released... Space Marine video game soundtrack. Sasha, welcome back to Soundcast. Thanks for having me, man. Our pleasure as always. And also, you have even we have even a bonus guest, if you want to call it that. George Christick, who's in Southern California. He's a writer and director, or has been a writer and director in the world of animation. You'll know his work from The Clone Wars, seasons one and two. And he's also moving into the live action world as well. And he has another a special project coming out with Disney called Motor City. George Christick, welcome to the Soundcast. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm a I'm a super nerd and a super soundtrack nerd, so I hope to nerd out. <laughs> well, we don't accept the nerd geek term. We call them geniuses. You're not a soundtrack <laughs> nerd. You're a soundtrack genius because you have to be if you're into this kind of music. You can't be a nerd. You're a genius. So well said, sir. We give you we dub the uh, soundtrack genius. Um, so, guys, welcome all to this big, big hullabaloo uh, group uh, chat session about video game scores. I think we're going to have a really good time in talking about that. But before we get into that, our main topic, uh, we, are do- we have been doing, for the month of October, a special contest where you, the listeners of Soundcast, could win. Now, isn't this something? You could win the very soundtrack... Uh, the most recent soundtrack of the composer we have on the line, Sasha Tikichian, and of course, partnered with Chris Velasco. And that is for uh, Warhammer, I'm wanting to say Space Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000 <laughs> Space Marine. And all you have to do, and you have a couple days left to do this, um, is post a comment on our Soundcast page, any comment. Now, if you make it bad, you know I won't say whether that's going to hurt your chances or not of being randomly drawn. Or give us a rating at iTunes uh, for our podcast, and you'll be entered to win the random drawing for space for the Space Marine soundtrack. Now, had you heard our conversation just prior to going live uh, for the recording, you would have heard just how much George Christick loves the Space Marine soundtrack. George, if I could just get you to say uh, how much you love the soundtrack, why don't you tell the audience what, what your estimation of the score is? Yeah, you guys missed me gushing over the soundtrack, but 
Um, yeah, as, as I was telling Sasha, I think that it's it, it tells the story of the video game much better than the game itself does. And uh, you can actually just listen to it without playing the game um, and uh, formulate your own story. It's, it's, it's such an epic kind of sweeping and in, in some ways almost heartbreaking story uh, that, uh, you know, it's just, it's just like kind of mind-blowing. And, um, and usually when I write, I listen to soundtracks, so I'm a, I'm a big soundtrack fan, and I've found that uh, this soundtrack in particular, it, it kind of, it puts you in the right frame of mind to tell stories. So, you know, hats off, man, that was, that was amazing. Thanks, man. And I will thank you for Chris as well, who cannot be here, unfortunately, for unknown reasons. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, that was the whole, I mean, just to go quickly onto that, that, that sure. was the whole point of the score. I mean, just instead of doing another, you know, video game action score, we sort of wanted to connect emotionally more than on any other level. Um, you know, even though we do have a lot of action cues on there, but, uh, you know, we have longer notes and, and just... You know, we're uh, using that reuse that that motif quite a few times, and um, I, I think just exactly what you what you feel is what the goal was for us. And so I'm very happy that we have accomplished that goal. So it seems. So thanks again. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you, man. Thank you. And and uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna gush a little bit more. It's it's <laughs> it's very rare that you listen to a video game soundtrack that actually has a hint of. Of tragedy to it, it's almost Shakespearean, you know. For it's like a Shakespearean soundtrack that that right. kind of takes you through the the rise and fall and the loneliness of a hero. So, you know, I'm going to stop now because I'm. I'm <laughs> I just, hey, Chris, you know, my soundtrack nerd. So, but yeah, <laughs> you guys, check it out. It's amazing, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for for the next project. Thanks. So, so you can win this. Uh, Shakespearean soundtrack <laughs> on oh, CD. That, Chris. <laughs> uh, and actually, you have two chances to win it. One is being a Soundcast listener, but if you go to tracksounds.com, you'll see on the homepage another way that you could win this soundtrack. So, I mean, come on. It's a, it's. And now, George, you said this earlier, and I'll quote you. You said it's it's one of, or if not the best video game score you've heard in, in the last five years is that true is that what you said yeah the best okay. in the last five the years. the best so i mean come on people if you how can you not want to participate and win this soundtrack you're you're crazy if you don't so you have a couple days less left the last uh comment the last review is going to be accepted uh on october 31st at uh, midnight Eastern Time, so that's nine o'clock on the West Coast. So get to posting your comments, get to making our, our iTunes reviews, and we'll thank you for that. And we'll thank one lucky person with this uh, incredible soundtrack. So moving on, let's talk about what we have been listening to. And um, George, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with you. What have you been listening to recently? Um, in terms of soundtracks, obviously, you know, space yes. work, I, I, I will leave that <laughs> subject alone now <laughs> before I creep everyone out. Um, I've, I've also been listening a lot to the, the Tron Legacy soundtrack. Nice. Um, and uh, let's see, what else really springs to mind these days? I have, I have all these soundtracks on loops, and I do the, the Pandora where you just type in a certain soundtrack. Um, uh, Let me ask you this. Has... has... As I've asked this to other people about on the podcast, 
has the Tron Legacy score um, has it gotten better for you over time, or it, or you just really like it a lot, and it's you like it the same now as you did when you first heard it last year? Well, well, now I think I'm more selective in in my listening habits with the with the score. I think there's some I think there's some wonderful pieces, and I think there's some pieces that are a little more pedestrian. So I, I try to stay away from those. But the the heart of the score I think is great. I think when when the guys got it right. It's very strong, but there there's a couple couple fumbles, at least in my opinion. Hmm. I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, the, the, when we had talked about it a couple episodes ago, I think for most of us it was all. I know for myself, it was a score that has grown on me over time. I mean, I liked it when it first came out, but as the year has gone by, I've grown to like it more and more. Actually, as as a whole, um, gotcha. and, I, and and that's kind of still how I feel about it. Um, okay. Any anything else? Yeah, I think you, we're going to move on to some others if you could remember them. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, the original uh, Carpenter Thing soundtrack, um, which, oh, yeah. which I found recently online, um, amazing, amazing. That's that's another wonderful soundtrack that tells a story. You don't need to see the film; just listen to the soundtrack. And I think that's that's when when you know composers get it right. It's such a beautiful thing to listen to. It's almost like reading a, a book, and you don't have to watch the movie because it's a, it's a deeper, richer experience. At least for me. At least for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Tom, what have you been listening to? Well, I'll start it off with the uh, Pussycat and Boots. Uh, Henry Jackman. Uh, it's got a nice kind of Zorro vibe to it. Uh, not yeah. doesn't have a lot of staying power with me for some reason. I yeah. wanted to like it more than I, you know. More than what was presented, especially given some of the uh, pre-fan uh, feedback about the score. Okay, let me guess. It was too long. <laughs> no, not not this time. <laughs> not no. this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly brisk, but um, I don't know. Maybe it maybe it sounded too much like uh, James Horner's uh, Zorro, because uh, as we talked about before, Henry isn't shy about referencing existing uh, film film scores that have come before. So. Uh, I see. I I, I kind of like it. Uh, it's not. It has kind of a road to El Dorado y uh, edge to it. That sort of reminded me of in some parts. Um, but all the Spanish guitar, I love it. I mean, it's Rodrigo y Gabriele again, which is you know the more of them we can get, the better. Um, but yeah, I tend to agree. Overall, it's it's got some high points, but yeah. What else? Yeah, and I'm I guess I'm at a crossroads because I've been listening to. Uh, Tintin, but I'm not really bowing before the unicorn for some reason. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the theory behind that is people are so starved for quality that even just a decent John Williams score will kind of light things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so marginally disappointed, you know. Still, it's sophisticated playfulness by Jay Will, so you can't really go too too far off with that. But you know, overall, um, I, I think I think the War Horse will kind of cure those ills for me. So I'm gonna. Hold off a bit until that one uh, surfaces up. Yeah. A- anyone else here? Uh, Tintin yet? Yep. Yep. No, no. A, but you know, I have I have no comment on that. You know that, right? I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to even ask you, Sasha. Okay. I'm just going to ask you if you've heard it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't want your inbox to fill up. Um, Marius, what do you think about what you've heard? Um, I don't know. I I've been having some mixed feelings about it. I I went through it the first time and I thought it was not what I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not in a bad way necessarily, but I, I don't know. There was just something off. 
but as I've been listening to it more and appreciating a little more what uh, he's done, I think I think it's actually a worthy score. I think it's going to grow on me. Yeah, I have that feeling. Uh, yeah. and it's you know I mean I, I I suspect it's one of those scores where seeing it along with the film is going to make a world of difference as well. Yeah, I totally agree. So you know we'll see. But at this point, I can say I I like it. I don't love it. Yeah. But you know I don't love it yet. Maybe that will grow on me. I mean, inevitably with a John Williams score, there's so much to learn from every gesture and every cue that it's, you know, I mean, it takes so much time to truly appreciate any one of his works that it, it feels cheap to try and judge it with, you know, so little experience of it. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with everything you said. Uh, I felt the same way the first time listening through and I was like, wow, that's not quite what I was, maybe hoping for i don't know um i mean it kind of felt like a mashup of of um the terminal with uh yeah, raiders the, of the lost ark with, you know what i mean it, that's it was the kind exact of a, score that came to mind was, was the terminal that was yeah you know, in the first half at least i mean once he gets going into the more yes. adventure stuff then it departed but the first few yep. cues i was like wow this is catch me if you can the terminal yes. absolutely absolutely right yeah, so that yeah, I've had a very similar experience, and do believe when the when the music gets tied to the film and we see it in context, all of a sudden our appreciation is is probably going to go up a notch or two. At least that's what I, that I, that's what I expect for myself. Uh, do you think that Tom? Do you do you expect to like it more if you even see? Will you see the film? Yeah, I I might I might see the film, and I suppose I'll like the score more if if the film you know wins me over so yeah. you know the the jury the jury is still out and no doubt it's a very cerebral kind of score especially for an animated film um yes. i was just hoping for a little bit a little, little little touch of magic is all which i don't uh, i didn't get and george i don't think i think i heard that you said you didn't hear this one yet i have not heard it yet no you haven't heard it yet i mean what do you think about the film itself at least from the trailers are being in being in the world of animation or previously um, what are your expectations for the film? Well, usually, you know, to answer the first part of the question, I usually don't listen to soundtracks before I see the film because, at least uh-huh. for me, they can give away a lot of things. So I still like like a bit of surprise. Um, okay. And then, as as for the film, I'm a little worried, um, and you know, because we have there's such a there's such a, a history behind it, and but also we have these people who you know we know and trust. Or leading it, uh, it'll probably it'll probably be good, but you know I'm still a little worried about you know the the designs and some of the the animation. But hmm. again, that that's it, it could be as you said, it could be because that's where I come from. So I I may have you know different areas that I'm focused on than than other people. Sure, sure. Well, that's why I wanted to ask you that specifically because you would have a unique take on it. Um, Tom, did you have any others that you're listening to? Yeah, just real quick, I'll close it out with uh, Justin Timberlake uh, meets Logan's Run. Uh, Craig Armstrong's score for Ian Time. <laughs> very, very, uh, very kind of surprising type of world music vibe to it. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yep. Um, and so that that kind of rounds out my uh, my recent. He's uh, he's so uh, he's so underappreciated in my in my opinion. I mean, I, he he puts out really good stuff, and I don't think he he gets the recognition that he should uh, for whatever reason. Anyone else heard In Time yet? No. Uh, just pieces. Just pieces? I won't ask you what you think of those pieces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary, should you say yes or no? No, not yet. No. Yeah, I, 
I, I like it, and it's growing on me the more I listen to it. It almost has got me to where I might even see the film, <laughs> but I haven't <laughs> I haven't heard good things, so I'm like, eh. I saw yeah. I saw pieces of it at Comic Con this year, uh huh, and it looked interesting. Um, there were a few scenes there that kind of uh, the concept was really cool. Yeah, with the time being the money, you know. Yeah. But every time I, uh, you know, I see Justin, it's like, okay, it's Justin Timberlake. Yeah, it's distracting. It's, it's sort like, of yeah, it's yeah. sort of like it's sort of like hard to really like you know picture him and kind of like uh, children of men or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of hardcore you know part. It's just yeah. hard to forget the the all the kitty music stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, I immediately start to think about okay, when is the SNL skit come out? You know, when is the <laughs> SNL skit over? You're waiting for the joke to come in, and like, oh wait, wait, this is serious. Yeah, it's very distracting. I don't know if he'll ever overcome that stigma, but um, Mer- uh, no, Sasha, what about you? What have you been listening to? Uh, you know, I really, really like uh, the score for uh, Straw Dogs. Oh yeah, Larry. Uh, hey, yeah. I think another uh, composer who's very underrated. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, really, the string work is just uh, fantastic, and uh, even at, at parts, I hear like a, you know a lot of William influences. Yeah, uh, just you know harmonies and everything, and uh, you know I have these weird things where I always uh, just rediscover older scores, and so I've just been listening to uh, again uh, Planet of the Apes, Jerry Goldsmith. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, and uh, and the other score that's sort of older is The Fury by John Williams. Oh wow, okay, Love yeah, I've been score. reaching back. Yeah, I mean it's just I'm a huge fan of Brian De Palma, and when I rewatched the movie, I, I just never knew that that score was by Williams and so for whatever reason it slipped my mind and when I heard that I saw the movie again I was blown away I was like wow this is just crazy um, right right uh, yeah. has anyone else heard the Straw Dogs yet Larry Groupe's version no no still haven't uh, I mean as I said in the last two episodes it's going to be in my top five for this year it may be in my top three wow uh, it, it is a fantastic score. I mean, just fantastic. Um, uh, was that it? Did you have any other, Sasha? Uh, all over the place. Uh, but I think that was it for, for right now, right? Okay. Marius, what about you? Uh, just a quick question. Wasn't Larry Groupe, um, didn't he put out an album like a year or two ago with some trailer music? Um, you're talking about Excelsius? Excelsius, Excelsior, that's I the mean? one. Yeah, that's the one. I don't it know. It wasn't. It wasn't trailer music. It was music he had written for um, a specific project, uh, but he had he owned the rights to the music, so he released it under a different title. Okay, uh, no, because there was an immediate music mix in there, so I I figured it was uh, intended oh, yeah. for trailery stuff. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, he just re- he just released it through them for for whatever reason. Yeah, I just remembered because I I quite liked that that material, and I thought he had the uh, the skills to do some great things. So now I want to listen to Straw Dogs. Oh yeah, I mean it's, it's you will love it. I I I, I think like, you'll. Love Chris it. and I are agreeing on something. Wow, that's. <laughs> I forgive you the Hannah, the Hannah give you. you. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. I, I've taken more flack over that than, than <laughs> almost any review I've ever written. But that's okay. I mean, I, that's my honest opinion of it. Did you, uh, did you like Hannah? Is that that what happened? I I like the film. But I think the film actually became worse with the I, the, the score made the film worse in my opinion. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I've I've had this argument as well. Okay, and <laughs> and I don't like the score as a standalone listen either. So it's like the worst of both worlds. Yeah, everyone everyone I talked to hated the score, 
and I actually didn't mind it, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to open that. You guys have apparently had this battle before, <laughs> so we'll guys, just going to kill us all. <laughs> hey, I'm not representing the electronic side of things here, so I'm siding with the Chemical Brothers on this one. Well, I don't have anything against electronics. Um, it's you know, it's all in how you use them, and, and I just found them very, very distracting and not meshing with the overall style of the film. It just didn't. It didn't. I don't know. I've I've said this like 80 times. <laughs> I get so tired of saying it, and it's in my review too. But Sasha, I mean, I, when I posted it. I saw your tweet reaction, ah. so this is your chance if you want to just oh no oh. put it out there in support of the Chemical Brothers and in I mean opposition to me. <laughs> it's cool. Go for it. I don't know. I mean, without going too in depth in it, I just thought you know when I watched the movie in the theater and the, uh, one of the first cues came on, which was the uh, I, I believe uh, when the, the these militaristic guys kind of moved in on the little shack outside there. Yep, had like these deep bass lines and I thought wow this is so different this is just great um, and, you know I think the one thing I really liked about it was the minimal aspect of it Yeah, it, it wasn't Min- minimal. you know what I mean like minimalistic sort of uh, oh there's this one bass line that's sort of like oh, okay. bumping away and then there's yeah. this other little sound but there's not like a whole like a hybrid of orchestra and electronics going on uh, right. I think it gave the movie like a certain weird artsy edge I mean I, I personally I got it what the director was trying to do yeah. but I can see how people like yourself I mean it seems like you you're more in favor of orchestral music that seems to be your I tend to like it more just right. if you want to make a generalization but not I mean if not necessarily so I mean if it right. fits the film you know I'm and it's 100% electronic right. I'm with I'm with it you know, I mean, if it's like Tron, the original Tron, right. Wendy Carlos, fully electronic, I'm there. It makes total sense. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, it's just, I guess it's just a matter of opinion, really, in the end. I mean, sure. I, oh, yeah. I watched it and I, I thought it was just, uh, it was great. You know, I really dug it. You know, gave it like some, some kind of weird artsy edge to it. Um, and, yeah, uh, it did. It, but, but I can it, see your point of view how, you know, I mean, it definitely was asking for a lot of understanding, if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. And, and, that, and that exact point of the movie is where it all turned weird for me. Because, I mean, there was no music up until that point, really. Wasn't. Uh, and it's when, that, when those soldiers came to assault the, 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 and take the girl or kill the girl or kill the guy. That's when everything turned. I'm like, wait a minute. This is, I, I, as I explained in, my, in the previous episode, it was like I was expecting more of a traditional story at that point because it had been traditional and then it just it Joe Wright turned it on its ear both visually and musically and and there was just uh, a separation at that point for me and every time the music came I was paying attention to the music right. and being distracted from the, what was taking place on the screen it was definitely in your, definitely in your face I mean I, I thought the story was not anything normal at all you know about you know the girl being trained as a as a uh, you know a secret agent so to speak yeah um so i thought in that regard it was kind of fitting you know but i can kind of see how you the music was sort of like okay now it's like it's here and it, it wasn't maybe necessarily supporting the scene like a traditional score would you know yeah yeah i mean if they were doing this training like in the underground below uh, new york city or something that had some kind of grungy 
I mean, they're in the beautiful Arctic Circle, white, pure, beautiful forest. You know what I mean? And here comes this, and I'm like, I think that's, I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly right because they're breaking, they're breaking the peace of her life. You know, it's like uh, you were, you were in this kind of comfort zone. You weren't moving forward, and suddenly your world is breaking apart. And the music kind of, you know, not kind of, but definitely reinforced that fact. And that's why mm-hmm. I really liked okay. it. She was, she was leaving one world and going into another. And whenever you do that, it's, it's chaotic. It's sometimes painful. It's shocking. And that's why I really dug what he did with the music in that mm-hmm. he, he reinforced it, you know, through, through the music. That's, that's a good point. That's, that's a great. very good point. Agreed. Uh, it just, I think it, I I guess he just they just pushed it further. I mean, you can communicate that same thing without it being that in your face as you as you put sure. it, Sasha. Sure. You know? Well, what I think it, is interesting here is uh, had just some average composer delivered this kind of you know average score, um, we wouldn't be talking about it. But here it is, months later. Good point. I think because it's Chemical Brothers, uh, we're, we're, it's still in the it's still topical. So true. I mean, there's a there's a few movies, you know, that have that kind of score. I mean, when I think about like Fight Club, yeah, mm-hmm. which was much more of an obvious fit, you know, for the, for yes. the crazy story and the gritty, you know, Tyler Durden and all this crazy Dust Brothers stuff. And then there was uh, Danny the Dog. Anybody remember that? Like, oh movie. yeah, excellent score. You know, Massive Attack. I mean, that was yeah. the kind of stuff that sort of like just sets the movie apart for me because it steps out of the exactly what you were saying, the anticipated. Okay, here comes the you know the low double bases and the soldiers move in and there's the 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 big tom hits or whatever. Yeah, and this is sort of like catches you by surprise. Um, and I I guess that alone just was kind of like wow, this is balls. Yeah, and that alone kind of made me just me personally just kind of like it, you know. Um, yeah, I, I can I can totally get that, I, I, and I can see how I can especially you, Sasha, coming from the electronic background that you have in, in creating that kind of music, especially there appreciating that. It, I just think even if they, even if it was still chemical brothers and still electronic, um, purely electronic, I still think it could have right. been toned down a little bit. It was just too, too strong for me. Right. Um, that's all. That's, okay. that's where my point is, but hey, but you're absolutely right. It is totally subjective and, you know, some will get it and some won't. And, it, you know, uh, but even so, in my review, I say, look, there's other Chemical Brother Brothers albums where the music to me is a lot better, just in terms of music appreciation, right. than the music there. Right. Um, that's why it was rated so low by me because there was no angle I could come from and say, well, it's better than most of their albums, right. but it wasn't, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So it just it just failed on almost all it's counts. A, but it's okay, Chris. You gave it three out of ten. Okay, that's that's right. It did get three. <laughs> let it go. It did get three. That's all. I'm gonna let it go. Okay. <laughs> um. So who brought up Hannah anyway? Oh, you must have brought Hannah up. So, uh, Saju, was there any others that you've been listening to? Uh no, uh was it me who brought up Hannah? Was it you? Who were we on? Tom? Was it you? I think no, uh, we passed it off to Marius. Yeah, you were oh, on okay. to me. I don't we know so how many, Hannah got into the. We got so many people on the call. I don't know who's doing <laughs> what. Okay, Marius, sorry. What else are you listening to? You mean other than Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think you mentioned Hannah, but <laughs> uh, just anyway. Um, so no, I've not. I've not been listening to Hannah. Sorry. Um. Uh, what have I been listening to? Well, Why don't you Space chime Marine. In there with some support, anyway. I oh, know you're that's... 
with you know on what sorry you, wasn't your take on Hannes you weren't that fond of it well my I, I think I, I fall somewhere between you guys because I thought it fit the film if you recall okay. it's something that I would not listen to outside the film I mean I've tried it just it's not engaging to me outside of the film but okay. for the film I thought it was extraordinary I thought it really um, I mean I was I'm with Sasha here I got what they were trying to do and it worked for me hmm. so okay. you know I don't know if that's a <laughs> No, that's not in support of me. So go on to your next. <laughs> I see. I see how this works here. I see. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what being the host you can do that. Yeah, welcome to the politics of the soundcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so what I've actually been listening to is uh, some game music. Um, appropriately enough, uh, Space Marine, of course, showed up not too long ago on my doorstep and has been playing um, nice. very, very frequently. Um, I've you know got my notepad out and I'm studying and learning and all that good stuff. Um, I've also given another try to Gears of War three. Hmm, um, I still haven't actually played the game, but I, I gave the CD another spin. Um, ended up liking it worse than the first time, so I think that's going to go on my shelf now. <laughs> and uh, what else have I? Oh, I was listening to um, Battlefield three, sort of within the game as I've been playing it. Um, I'm about, I don't know, I'd say halfway through the campaign, and I'm still waiting to hear music. Oh. It's oh. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Sasha, hold on, just one second. <laughs> I know, see, see I'm, I'm feeding the discussion for later. Um, yes. I'll just say this um, so that you don't, you know, start hating me. Um, what I mean is that I think it's suffering from the Terminator 4 syndrome, where uh, I'm sure there's excellent music under there oh, somewhere. The but there's just so much else going on in the sound mix, which, by the way, is brilliant. I mean, the, listening to it on a good system is amazing. It's, it's absolutely incredible sound design. But in terms of trying to hear the music, uh, you know, good luck, really. Hmm. But that's a good okay, point, so... though. I mean, do you want to go there yet? Yeah, go. go. Oh, well, I, I'm just saying, look, I mean, I usually don't really want to comment on, you know, especially, you know... Uh, Competition of mine, as to say, but I think that uh, they did the right thing with the Battlefield soundtrack because the game is so busy. It's like I mean, like you said, the sound design is amazing, and it is. I mean, you really like feel like you're in a firefight. Mm -hmm. And when I recall the last Modern Warfare game with the Hans' score, which was like all what I heard was like a big ball wall of sound. I mean, careful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking out for you, I'm man. I'm looking out for you. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I thought that they did on Battlefield 3 exactly what I would have, what I actually suggested in my tweet, which is like the one thing I like about it is its minimalism aspect of it, which means it's that there's a lot of repetition going on. There's not a lot of melodic elements going on. Yeah, see, I don't disagree with that, but I think that's actually not... I mean, my interpretation was that that wasn't really what was happening, and I'll give you an example. Um, there was a, a mission... Um, I guess this is a spoiler, but, I mean, who's really going to care about a spoiler, spoiler for... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, I will, because I'm the only person in the world who hasn't gotten this game yet. But, no, but, but I anyway, mean, it's... You know, I... you don't get it for the single player. Well, I get it for the single I do. player, but I'm... A... I do. That's exactly the point, though. You're not... That's what I'm saying. It, it's not... The story is there, but when you play it, you can kind of feel that kind of put the story there because they, they felt they had to. 
Yeah, which, um, but that's a different discussion. What I what I was just saying was that there's this level where um, you're piloting a jet and you're doing some missions from the air, and right. that's where the music comes into the forefront a little more than it had before, and you can actually hear the iconic battlefield theme. Right. Uh, and it sounds like a fairly involved arrangement. I mean, it's not as minimalistic or as gritty as the stuff that came before it, but you but cannot see, hear it. That That's true. I mean, implementation-wise, from what I've been hearing so far in the game... The, the music is very underneath in the layer, you know, between... Yeah, and, I have, and I have no issues whatsoever with minimalism. I think it's actually necessary to maintain some of the sense of realism in a game like sure. Battlefield. But sure. in this case, where the cue is clearly supposed to be musical, it's clearly supposed to be rousing. I mean, the, the it's, it's just more sophisticated music, but it's buried under layers and layers of jet engines to the point where I can only make out that it's the theme because I'm listening for it intently, and I... You know, I'm very familiar with it, and uh, but I don't think that's the. I mean, I think it could have had a little more impact if the mixing had been done a little differently, even exactly. if just for that scene. Actually, I totally agree with you because I was playing that last night, and I felt the exact same way when that theme came. I was like, felt kind of powerful. I was like, yeah, but why can't I barely hear it? I mean, it's like, mm. okay, it's a definitely a mix issue for sure. Yeah. So, so I'm, you know, I think we're on the same page, um, Sasha. It's just. Okay. Uh, for for me, when the cue is obviously intended to be heard, I wish that I could hear it. You know, maybe I'm strange that way, but <laughs> he just no, asked I mean, for too much. Man. I mean, we have the we have the same problem in Space Marine. I mean, you know, look, I, I work on this music for like three months, and then I play the game myself, and I'm very mm. myself. And then you know, the, the first mission comes, and you're supposed to feel this sort of like heroic, like like majestic feel that kind of uplifts you, and the cue is like, I'm like, what? Where mm-hmm. you know, bring it up, you know, and uh, the volume controls are all the way up already. So it's really that kind of aspect of gaming is it's sort of like the dynamics of the music and sound design is really something that I'm personally pushing for to be a part of in the next mm-hmm. projects, mm-hmm. just to have more more control over it. It's kind of like a movie; you have to at some point decide what's gonna take, yeah. what's gonna overtake in the scene. Is it the music that's gonna speak or the sound design? Yeah, and that's yeah. why they don't tend to let composers into the yeah. uh, <laughs> mixing room because we're always that's saying, right. "Oh, we need to, you know, we need to hear that." Oh, can we push that up? Push that up, and everyone else says, "No, no, no, push the other things up." And you know, yeah. I mean, imagine poor Danny Elfman if he'd been sitting there in the Terminator Four mix right. session, going, "So, where's my score?" <laughs> well, that's true, but I mean, only for the people who really know. I mean, you can always back off and and know right away when okay. Sound design is definitely the, the most important part in Battlefield 3, for example. But there's little moments like you were talking about. When that theme comes in, then let's hear it. Yeah, and that's those are the only issues that, like, those are the moments that bothered me. Like, overall, the actual gameplay, all of that, I think they handled the atmosphere very well. I think it was a good balance. Uh, right. Because the music wasn't really the kind of stuff that I would be wanting to listen to actively. Like, it's it's not the stuff I'm going to walk away humming. It's It's just there as part of the atmosphere. Right, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I would tend to agree. Not having having just heard the score alone, uh, you know, it's it's nothing that I'm going to be uh, yelling from the rooftops. Uh, <laughs> but but it's there, and it's like okay, you know. But you know, I need to play the game and see how it functions there. I mean, to be honest, though, going back to Modern Warfare Two, I, I kind of felt similar. It's like yeah, the music was there. It wasn't it wasn't amazing, and it it didn't distract me. Uh, but it also didn't consciously seem to lift 
the game. I mean, but you guys tell me this with Battlefield Three. I mean, how much score does a game like that need? I mean, unless it's a cutscene or you know something like that, does it even like I, the moment when you're flying that jet? I mean, is it like do you need Kenny Loggins there? Do you give you some or what is that? I mean, does it really need that moment? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think. I mean, that's a good question. Um, does a game like that need music? Um, well, I think. Uh, you know that's the reason why the music does sound as sort of like minimalist as it sounds because it doesn't really but it's sort of I, I, I look at it more as sort of like ambient cues they're sort of mm-hmm. they set the tone and there's like you know a pulse like suddenly you know you would yeah. you would your squad and they say you know let's move let's move let's move and you got this thumping bass line and you really don't need anything else I mean mm-hmm. my opinion and I, and I really always tell the developer this like of course, for a game like Space Marine, it would not work like that. Sure. Because just out of the content, you need a different score. But for but for Battlefield, I think they did the right thing, um, which is just you know creating these drones. I call them more drones, musical drones. Yeah. Beds of me of 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 sounds than actual score. Um, so I lost my point now. I'm sorry. What the hell? Um, well, we're I just think the about, goals... do, do these games need these? Need, right, right. These, those type of games need that need music. Oh well, that that was my. I mean, it, it's you know, Battlefield started out as being a, mostly an online. Yeah, I missed game, that game. You know, that, that was that was an that was an amazing game, and, and I, I played that it. to death. And nobody cared about the music, you know. Um, and so they got now. They, did. now they got modern warfare, and it's their competition. And so of course they felt like they had to add this uh, the single player part of it, and. Uh, you know, from what you can tell from from iTunes, I mean, look at the reviews. The kids love it. Oh, I haven't seen it for you know, uh, for BF three. Yeah, I mean, some of the reviews or whatever the the kids say, you know, they love it. And uh, I think for that particular title, that they, they made the right choices of not overkilling it. Um, and uh, it really depends on what type of game it is. You know, sure. Mary, she were going to say something. I'll give you the last word on it. I was just going to say that the goals of the games are are different. In something like Battlefield, the intent behind what the music is actually doing is not the same, and and that's what Sasha was um, saying more eloquently than me with the uh, you know reference to Space Marine. That's that's basically you know that kind of game versus a Battlefield. They have the, the music is serving a very different kind of purpose. Exactly. So. Yeah. In terms of um, Battlefield Three, I I'm definitely in the camp that says that the score was appropriate um, overall, and you know a lot of the drone material is fine. Um, it it acts almost subliminally rather than overtly. You're not really supposed to notice it. It's just supposed to work at you in the background. Sure. And exactly. for me, it does. I mean, especially in the gameplay, when I'm not focusing on uh, the music, I'm focusing on not getting my ass kicked. It's um, <laughs> You know, it works. It's that's exactly where I want it to be. But for instance, in that that sequence I was talking about in the jet, right. you're not playing anything in that moment. You're you're right. um, you're getting a, a a different perspective. It's almost like you're feeling like the game is going somewhere. It's it's essentially a cutscene, but it's also a dramatic transition. And I think mm-hmm. the placement of the main theme there, because you don't hear it before that point, the main theme being introduced again there, I think was very strong. It's just, uh, you know, it, it was inaudible, basically. Right. So. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to have this conversation again when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 comes out with Brian Tyler's score in there, which will be a whole different flavor. 
so Mary, so you have any other non-controversial titles you've been listening to? <laughs> non-controversial? Oh, come on. That's boring. <laughs> All right. I've got one. I've got one. Um, I've also been playing a lot of Dark Souls um, and listening to oh. the music for that. Who did that? Um, that's a great question. I actually don't know off the top of my head. Is, that's a, is that a Japanese title? Yes, um, but it's a different composer from the first um, from the first game. Oh, that's gonna bug me. Okay, well, anyway, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll you've been listening to that. Yeah, I, so that's my... I don't I don't know anything about that particular score. So anyone else have something about that? Know that? Played that? Heard that? The game is great, by the way. If you if you're into old school difficulty, what does that mean? Old school difficulty. Uh, it means not a whole lot of yeah. You die a lot, basically. Not a oh. whole lot of not a whole lot of lives. Not a whole lot of like helpful, you know, gameplay elements that are holding your hand through it. It's just sort of like okay, trial and error. Um, oh, I see. You just die a lot. Like uh, it's almost funny how much you die in that game. And I like I like to consider myself a pretty good gamer, but I just get my ass handed to me over and over again. And it's but it's it also makes it much more rewarding when you accomplish something. So well, if they if the name of the game is called Dark Souls, it shouldn't be easy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, okay, well, real quickly to wrap up this particular section, um, I have been listening to. Let's see, what have I been listening to? Well, I've, I'm a little late bloomer. Uh, just really started getting into Battlestar Galactica. And I'm addicted to it. And so it made me go back and start listening to Bear McCreary's scores. Um, and I find the score... It was interesting. He did an interview recently that I listened to. And he was talking about how that was his big break. But yet it was the exact opposite uh, kind of score that he was kind of hoping to, to make one day. Which he's had made. Which he's made since for the Cape and Hard Target and SOCOM and all these. But it was the exact opposite um, of the kind of score he was like he was being developed to 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 make and wanted to make so I, I find the music very odd in that in that show and i find it very odd on cd as well but i've been listening to it incessantly actually because um, it has its own unique kind of odd charm to it so i've been listening to that what do you guys did where you guys come out on Battlestar galactica as a whole uh, the the show and don't spoil me because i'm in season three um but then the music anyone have any comments about either of those too much shaky cam. Can't, I couldn't. I got a little too uh, nauseous watching oh. it. Okay, you mean like the, <laughs> when they're doing the space shots, the double can't zoom? In. Can't do it. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't sit there and just stare at that uh, screen shaking all the time. So it, that, it that, actually that, tones. It tones down as it goes. They used to. They used to do it a lot more in the beginning. At least in my opinion, it seems like they've toned it down some. Anyway, but good point though. Others. Nope. I was letting other people. Um. <laughs> I love the music, um, but I've never been a huge fan of the series itself. Um, hmm. Maybe because I didn't like I, I wasn't one of those folks who saw the original and came to the reboot with some history, some knowledge, some whatever. Um, so well, I that did... actually worked against it for me. I because I, I saw the original as a kid, and when I saw that, I said, "This is garbage." Starbucks, a woman, I'm done. <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't go any further than that, and I didn't like her. I still don't like her, but. Um, but I like the show. Anyway, it, it actually, that actually worked against it for me. Uh, see, yeah, I, do, I don't dislike the show. I mean, I did watch it. Um, it just, I, I don't know, for some reason it's not memorable for me. It's not something that I would really um, feel compelled to watch again. 
Okay. Um, but the score but you... I thought was was incredible and very brave in how atypical it was for you know a sci-fi TV uh, score. You know, with yeah. with uh, bagpipes and taiko drums and stuff like that happening in in space in the far future. It was uh, unexpected, but he made it work. So he used the, he used taiko drums in it. <laughs> I I can't imagine Bear McCreary using a taiko drum. That just sounds really weird. Yeah, no, I might be remembering wrong. It might be it might be someone else, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. A- any any other comments about the show or that music? There there was one there's one moment, and I don't want to give anything away, but there's a moment. Please don't. I will be really. Ma- I mean, you might get dropped off the call <laughs> if you spot something. There's a moment where the soundtrack becomes part of the plot. And I'm sure you guys who've seen it know what I'm talking about. And I thought that was that was a very bold and brave uh, choice. Um, and I'm not sure if it was the, the creators or you know it was uh, the composer or maybe a kind of a unified front. But I really like the fact that they tried to do something. What the heck? What is there a Cylon on like, the line? They're scanning us, dude. They found me. <laughs> That's got to be Sasha. Sasha's doing Sorry. something. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what the heck? I, I forgot that I'm all hooked up here. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that intentional or an accident? No, it was an accident. I just went over my iPad by accident. <laughs> I thought... I thought, oh man! I thought one of us is a Cylon. Okay, <laughs> uh, that was that was really funny. <laughs> um, okay, so that I've been listening to that, and I just started listening to Inan uh, Zur's uh, Lord of the Rings: War in the North score, and very interesting. I mean, I've only gone through it, not even completely yet, but very. In- it's it honors Shore, but it's also. Enon Zur, and you know it's Enon Zur, but there's some Shorisms that there's even some Williamsy stuff there, which is just like oh. really hard to get my head around. Um, but I guess I would say I like it thus far, and, and I'm and I am having a good time uh, listening to it. Um, been listening to Puss in Boots as well. You guys named several that I that I've been listening to, but I'll just leave it at that, and that will conclude this very long edition of our what have we been listening to segment. <laughs> And that'll move us to our main segment of the night, which is video game scores in general. And um, this is something we've wanted to talk about for a long time, for years. I mean, Marius has, has, has been wanting to do this, and, and Tom has brought it up a time or two, and I have as well. Um, so I really think we have a, a great opportunity to talk about this genre with someone who is a creator within that genre, Sasha, and um, also George, who uh, is not necessarily a creator within the v- video game genre, but... Uh, is in the creative field and uses, as you've already heard, this music as a kind of a creative stimulus. Um, uh, so I want to ask first of all, uh, how did what what were some what was the first video game? I guess I'll call it a score. Your your answer may predate right. the official t- word of score for a, for a game, but when was the first time you took notice of video game uh, music? Uh, if you could share, you know, how what that was and how that came about for you. Uh, Marius, how about you go first? Uh, well, mine does not predate anything because I'm green, but uh, <laughs> it's it's very easy, actually. I thought this would be a difficult question, but looking back, I realize it's not. Um, for me, it was The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. 
Um, and that was one of the first video games that I ever, I guess, fell in love with, really. I'd played some some other games before that, but that kind of absorbed my life until I finished it. Um, and the music in that just made it for me. I mean, that was that was incredible. And the whole, um, you know, playing songs to have special effects in the game, I thought that was amazing. And, you know, to this day, I still adore the music from that game even though it's now you know slightly dated and so forth but that was that was certainly the first time that i thought wow video game music hmm at, at, i don't even even know when that came out about what year was that oh boy that's a good question <laughs> um we're we talking 90s yeah yeah 90s but i don't i wouldn't be able to tell you exactly which year 98 okay. maybe 98 okay all right late 90s okay um, Sasha, what about you? Oh, um, well, you know, I've always loved um, music and video games going back all the way to the Amiga. Mm-hmm. Like in 86, 87, you know, I started to uh, do some tracks with uh, with a tracker software back then. And there was a couple of games like Defender of the Crown. This is like so old. I mean, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but- but then really taking notice, it started with, you know, sort of like the Doom stuff um, where you could mm-hmm. kind of, you know, whistle the themes and, you know, but of course, musically, I mean, like sound-wise, there wasn't much there. Yeah. Uh, but then Quake, the first one for me was sort of like, uh, you know, I just finished studying and I was sitting down playing Quake, uh, not the shareware, but the full game. And that, that uh-huh. was one of the first games that let you stream the music of the CD. Uh-huh. So back then, it was like something brand new. So you could actually have real music. And when I realized that, it was just, it blew my mind. Huh, okay. And that was Trent Reznor, uh, Nine Inch Nails. That's right, yeah. Who yeah. did this. And, uh, you know, I uh, it, it, it was just, I was like, wow, this is, uh, I mean, it was there all along, but this was really the one that, that told me, okay, this is what I have to do. So... Oh, okay. So that's when you knew you wanted to, you didn't just appreciate it, you wanted to create it. I wanted to create it right then and there. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what about you? Okay, okay, it's really two points in my life. Uh, one, and I think George has my back on this one, is uh, when the nacho, the small nachos was in the air, I was in the arcade playing uh, Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> and the score was just gushing through. You know, it was fantastic. But I think Hadn't when you I started seen the movie. Take, <laughs> Yeah, it was an arcade game. So, but hadn't you seen from... the movie? Oh. <laughs> Cylon has returned. All right. <laughs> He's the Cylon. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Tom. So I think I think the moment we started playing video games, whether you know it's old school or not, the music was a part of it. I think when it became serious for me is when you when you look at when the orchestra was brought into the fold and, and that would be uh, something like Outcast by Lenny Moore yes. and of course uh, Medal of Honor by Michael yep. G. Kino and yep. that's when it was that, that's when it was on awesome I, I'm so glad you brought up Outcast because that was that was the first time orchestrally it, 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 it caught my attention I was like wow this is this is amazing um, cool uh, George what about you yeah, I have to say, you know, going back old school to like the 8-bit sounds, I think that's when I first was made aware of video games in, in relation to, to music, etc. And uh, it, it may seem stupid, but Tetris, you know, games like that, which, which, you know, the, the music actually was in a way part of the game. And then you had 
I'm sure you guys remember this, but you had that that amazing game, uh, Rapper the Rapper, which that that mm-hmm. I think brought both aspects together. Um, one of the first, I guess, musical games. Um, so yeah, that would be mine. Okay, okay, interesting stuff. Um, I, for myself, when I was being honest with myself, um, I don't know, maybe maybe Sasha you might remember this because I'm not exactly sure how old you are Sasha but maybe you won't know this but when I was a kid um, we had these handheld games by Mattel and they had a baseball one and they had a basketball one and they had a football one and um, I think every kid that I knew had one of these and anyway and it was I mean it was like no bit. I mean, it was, just, it was it was red LEDs, and you just controlled them the direction that they went, and somehow they made this into a football game. Anyway, the starting of whenever you kicked the kicked the, kicked off, it just did the simple da 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 da, and 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 anytime you heard that anywhere you were, you knew exactly. Oh, someone's got that game around here, and I mean, I was literally like maybe nine or ten, maybe something like that in that in that age range, and that was you know I was real early day video games and I mean super early video game music um, but I still remember that just in fact I still have that handheld game somewhere packed away um, 9 volt battery and everything still functions um, but it wasn't until I mean I noticed music in other games between then and Outcast. but Outcast was the first I don't know if it was officially the first video game with a full orchestral score but it was certainly the first one that I had ever heard, and uh, it really, it really blew me away. And of course, Medal of Honor uh, did come right on its heels. So that was the first, that was the first thing, the first game that I actually n- took note of the music in a game, and that's going way, way, way back. Um, I just to kind of interject here, there was something that I asked on Twitter and got a lot of responses for. So I want to read some of these. I just asked people, and I know it's Mary's favorite question, but what their favorite uh, video game gory's score is to date and the response is really good so I, I marked a few of them because the responses were so diverse um, so uh, Mike Newimport said GoldenEye for the N64 I think that's wow. uh, a lot of people I mean they didn't tweet this but I, I hear about that score a lot um, that it's it's one of their favorites in the game as well of course um, James underscore Dean uh, he said um what did he say here? Chaos Theory. So that's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. And also a few people said uh, uh, Michael McCann's uh, Deus Ex. Uh, Deus Ex, what's the, what's the human evolution? Revolution uh, was one. Um, Dennis uh, Tung, I can't pronounce his last name. Dennis, T-U-N-G-U-Z. He said The Elder Scroll for Oblivion by Jeremy Sewell. Uh, Keenan W. said Deus Ex as well, Outlaws. Crusaders, um, Austin Wintery, fellow composer of yours, Sasha said Grim Fandango and uh, Gary Simon's Bioshock. Uh, we had some Legend of Zelda. Oh, another Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. That was Chris Berry who said that. And Halo Combat Evolved. I don't even know what that sounds like, but I can take a guess. Uh, and let's see what else we have here. Um, and there was a f- number of Medal of Honors by. Uh, Michael Giacchino. So it's it's interesting that the response was so varied in this particular um, genre. Uh, if I'd asked that about film music, I think there would be a little more. I think I'd get more of the same responses. I think, but um, 
I won't ask you guys that question exactly, uh, but I will ask you, uh, do you think that you're drawn to a specific type of uh, type of game, be it real-time strategy, first-person shooter, or what have you, and the game scores that those games have more than another uh, type of game? Yeah, well, for me, uh, personally, and not to sound like Tipper Gore, but I'm not a big fan of these uh, ultra-violent combat simulation games where, where you know kids could basically play as their favorite soldiers and really feel what combat is like you know virtually but that mm-hmm. said i'm drawn more to the adventure games the more imaginative games um and specifically with game store scores something like layer by john debney uh, i think that one resides uh, at the top of the uh, top of the mantle there i think that's that's one of the most epic uh, game score experiences i've i've had I agree. I agree. Yeah, that was an excellent score. I would agree with you as well. Absolutely. Um, But so you're not drawn to first-person shooters. You're drawn to more adventure games, and so you set you tend to like those scores for those type of games. Yeah, and and I'm also uh, I I find that the the scores that have ambient darkness, uh, while technically you know really impressive. But you know, I can't really drive to work listening to Dead Space or Dead Space Two. I just put me in the right frame of mind. Yeah, I don't recommend that. No. <laughs> uh, okay, George, what about you? Wow, that's a tough question. It's a tough question. Um, hmm. Let me let me ponder it a bit more as you go to to the other okay. there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for myself, I, I've tended to like first-person shooter games, going all the way back to. Wolfenstein 3D. Um, I've always gravitated to that, so I think I've gravitated to those scores from those types of games. Although that that's pretty broad in of itself now, but um, you know I go back to Michael Giacchino's Medal of Honor work, and I still still rank that as his top his top his top works, especially especially Frontline. Um, uh, I love the World War II uh, arena of first-person shooters, although it's been done to death and they don't do them anymore, but those have produced some of the best uh, video game scores, in my opinion. So, that's where I'm drawn to, and yeah, I tend to be drawn to those type of scores. What about you, Mary? Um, you know, to be honest, I don't think that I'm drawn to a particular genre um, because of the music. I, I think I have certain expectations of what the music is likely uh, to be, in each genre, but I I wouldn't say that I, you know, gravitate towards certain kinds of games only for the music. I mean, I I like games for the gameplay, mm-hmm. um, but even well, well, not drawn to the game because of the music, but is there just a genre of games that you tend to like the music from more? Uh huh. Or is it pretty even evenly? Spread? I would say. You know, I would say it's pretty even spread because just thinking now of some recent game scores that I've really liked, I'm thinking of a platformer, a shooter, an adventure game. So, okay. you know, I don't, I don't think I can narrow it down. But um, I think, okay. I think really there's gems in each genre, yeah. um, and and it's that's kind of what makes it exciting to explore the work of of a bunch of different composers uh, and even the same composers across a bunch of different games because you really, really get to hear an amazing variety of stuff. And I think True. the diversity of genres and the amount of uh, crazy outside-the-box thinking that happens in game audio is um, pretty much unmatched in any other medium that I've encountered. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. 
Uh, Sasha, what about you? Is there any genre of game that you tend to tend to be drawn to and its music as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm very much first person shooter guy. Um, you know, uh, growing up with uh, you know Doom, Wolfenstein, all that stuff, like you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. uh, however, sort of musically, I mean, I- I'm sort of torn because I do love first person shooters, but adventure games is very much for me something that I love. Um, which one was that? Was just a game like a year ago. It was a Heavy Rain. Um, there was Heavy Rain, yeah, and then there was the that Alan Rain. Wake. Alan Wake, yeah, Alan Wake was more like a third person uh, act. Action adventure, but uh, I'm really drawn to to like more like the old school adventure games, you know, like the click and inventory puzzle. Oh, okay. And I really uh, just to like insert that <laughs> would hope that some developer would bring that back in in a big way. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they have no faith in the market. So. Yeah. But I think for me, it's definitely first person shooters. I mean, for sure. Okay. All right. Um, okay, we're back to you, George. Yeah, it's 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 very varied for me. Um, I think it's just I just go where you know the good game is, and sometimes good game does not mean uh, good music, and sure. and everything is so subjective that it's. I think it, it comes down to you know the individual what you like or what works with the game, or you know I'm sure we've all played wonderful games with terrible soundtracks. And similarly, I've, I've, you know, played terrible games over and over just to hear the soundtrack or just to recapture an emotional moment. So mm. I think mm. I think it's really a broad spectrum kind of uh, thing. Okay. All right. Well, um, what you said, Marius, kind of leads it into the next question pretty well. Um, how, how does video game music these days compare to uh, what kind of music we're getting out of the world of television and film scores right now. Uh, Tom, what about you? What do you think about that? I think it's right on par. Uh, to be honest with you, I think it exceeds a lot of what we hear on you know from the big screen and, and on that small screen. Mm-hmm. I think what it's going to boil down to, and maybe George, you could share some insight into this, is you know when are these producers going to make the right call, the gutsy call, um, and, and attach... A, a game composer to a film that gets promoted from game you know, yeah. to a feature. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. They should. They should be doing that now. Why don't you think that happens? <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> or not in the near future. Why, why do you <laughs> say that, Sasha? Well, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really not the negative kind of person. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, fairly optimistic about things, but there is, unfortunately, so many, so much politics involved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the game composers tend to be youngish or younger. Uh, and, you know, not to say that uh, they would not hire somebody because they're younger, but it definitely has an issue. And from what I personally heard is that, you know, people say or talk about, okay, well, this guy has done 20 games, but he hasn't done a single movie. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to give him a chance. You, you really need somebody like Steven Spielberg like what happened to Michael Giacchino, where he was sitting mm-hmm. in the studio, you know, and Spielberg comes in and says, you know, you should be doing movies. Mm-hmm. And that would be your lucky break, you know. But I think otherwise, it, it's really tough. I mean, even... Yeah, well, what's unfortunate here is that vice versa, film composers seemingly could just walk into a game project Absolutely. and, you know, 
and do the score. And that, that, you know, nothing is fair in life, but that right there does not seem fair at all. Yeah. But it seems like that the marketing departments think that because they have a movie composer name attached to the game, it's going to sell more copies. Oh, probably so, yeah. It does get people talking, whether it's even in the negative of, oh, gosh, I can't believe this guy's, you know, doing this. Or People talk about it. Right. You know, they just do. Um, but one thing that I could see happening, uh, maybe, and you say it never happened, and you, you may very well be right, but you look at Bioshock, and you look at the music that Gary Scheinman did for that, he would seem like a person that they could, I mean, the, in the world of film, he ha- his name has no cachet really but but he could make that step if he wanted to i mean he's he's been in the business for a long time his score is is one of the best scores for for one of the better video games to come out in the last handful of years um and if they ever made that movie it would seem like that might be a possible transition do you agree or do you think not even I mean, if they wanted to keep the texture of the movie to match the game. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, for us, it's all logical. Of course, they should hire him because he's brilliant. He did a great job. And But I'm telling you, politics, I mean, there's I can, you know, name plenty of composers that got basically, you know, they got uh, the door shut in their face uh, for a franchise that was done as a movie. And it seemed obvious. Why not hire this guy? No, they go to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's that's absolutely true. The industry is really insular, and uh, you know it, it happens. They they take any chance they can to say no. Um, you know the same the same same goes for if you write for animation, you can't write for live action, or if you direct for uh, TV, you can't direct film. So it's it's really hard to break in, and they they keep it that way, unfortunately. And they're, they're keeping a lot of talented people out. But you've broke through that uh, barrier yourself, haven't you, George? I mean, I have. from animation to so, what did it take? Uh, it was it was really tough, man. I'll tell you that much. You just have to keep bashing your head against that door until either you split it open or the door opens. You know, um, and it's it's probably the same for you know. Unfortunately, I didn't know about the stigma of video game composers, but I'm sure it's the same for for Absolutely. people, yeah, who have created for video games. And it's unfortunate because I think that. Video game soundtracks are, in many ways, much better and less uh, stiltified than some movie soundtracks. Hmm. Interesting you say that. Um, I was going to say, it, you know, and it's not just film composers encroaching on uh, video game uh, composers' territory. I mean, they're getting now they're getting their areas encroached upon by bands and people That's like, true. yeah. Like Chemical Brothers, like um, Daft Punk, like you know, there's there's a handful of them that are all moving, and it's, I mean, yeah, they they have their own distinctive sound, but it's marketing too. I mean, it does draw those people, those Daft Punk fans, those Chemical Brothers fans, to pay attention to those movie projects simply because their names are attached to it. Right. Uh, so it's definitely you know a musical chairs sort of thing going on that it seem it seems to be unfair for whoever's getting squeezed out. But but there is there is a new hope I think and that is and this was actually brought to my attention by Steve Burke um, is that video game composers who take on these smaller independent movie projects for little or no pay and start mm. you know start earning some stripes there that seems to pave a path forward uh, Chris Leonard's for is was one example who seemed to have True. followed that route 
and Michael Giacchino even, I think he did something like the Family Stone uh, before yes. he got into the Star Treks of the world. Um, so, you know, my, my advice uh, is to, you know, try to remain hopeful and, and take a shot if, you know, film scoring is, is the passion. Take a shot on, uh, on one of these uh, up-and-coming I- indie directors and their films. What, Sasha, would that be something you'd want to do, or are you t- totally content in uh, in the the, the the industry of, of video games? Look, I'm I'm being completely honest here, and I I love video games to death, and I I never want to stop writing music for games. Uh, I really don't. Uh, if anything at all, I want to push the genre forward, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, challenge the developers to 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 kind of let us more do our thing and not to be so influenced directly by movies, you know, like, uh, okay, we need another Zimmer score or we need this. Um, but I think ultimately, as an artist, you want to grow. And I sort of feel like a lot of times I've reached like a plateau that I can't like sort of look over. And with mm. with movies that seem to be, you know, I, I want to maybe write something for like a, you know, supernatural thriller or really a score that's just done mainly with uh, drones and piano, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and that opportunity to do something really creative and, and artsy in quotes is really rare in games because mm-hmm. in the end you will have a weapon in your hand most of the time and you will shoot people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you will kill something, I don't know what it is, a robot or whatever, but the theme is like, and after doing this for 15 years, I sort of, you, you come to the point where you're like, okay, um, yeah, I want to do something that challenges me. I want to do something that's really digs like down into your, you know, inner uh, artist uh, emotions and where I can just really a- explode with ideas. And I, I don't feel like we, we can do this in games, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, uh, the, but- there are scores out there where I say, oh, wow, this is great. And I, I kind of, where I say I wish I could have done this, yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, like me and Chris, um, definitely going to try to do movies. I mean, that's inevitable. I think. Hmm. But we will never stop writing music for games. There's no way. I mean, this is the way I started, and I love playing games. That's an important part, you know. Um, yeah. It. Do you see? I mean, am I going to part with this? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no. What, what did you just say? No, did I go too deep with this? I'm just. No, no. It's good. No, it's excellent. That's exactly you know the kind of answer I was hoping you, you would give. Um, I mean, the thing is that you know since video games have become more cinematic, the the demand for the score, the type of scores to be associated with them, have also become cinematic. So those who've loved film music, uh, like myself, have come to appreciate right. video game music more. Um, but there's one big difference, though, because a lot of times when we start on a project, guess what all the temp tracks are? Uh, film music. Exactly. Yeah. And I want this to be sort of like almost like vice versa at some point, you know? I mean, um, which I'm sure it might might be already the case. I mean, that, that, that it happened. And I had plenty of pitches already that actually pitched my own music, which is great, mm-hmm. which I'm very thankful for. But 90% of the time, times it's a movie score that, that's being tempted with uh, uh, you know, in the game with a fraction of the budget that yeah. we have, the fraction of the budget than the movie had, but so that's kind of like what I'm what I mean. It's it's sort of like I feel like in movies you have as a creative person, like look at Trent Reznor for example, mm-hmm. David Finch. You have much more of of creative freedoms to explore new things than 
as it should be in games because video games are so like imaginative and so just like create all these worlds sure. and everything that I'm thinking a lot of times why not just explore the field and, and really try something completely out there um, but it seems to be only possible in movies in my opinion I don't know maybe I'm crazy I don't know Hmm. You have to be careful what you wish for, because even in that film industry, and this goes to George's point, how it's all kind of insulated in different pockets, you have film composers who do nothing but comedies, and you have film composers who do nothing but dramas, so I think that's why some of these guys and gals are trying to, you know, burst their way into the video game market, because, you know, where you're trying to get out and get a sense of freedom, they're trying to come in and get their own sense of freedom, so I think it all boils down to diversity and good good luck, basically. Right. Mm. Right. <laughs> As all things do, diversity and good luck is what's going to determine. Um, any other thoughts about comparing the three? I mean, how does, in any other one's opinion, video game music compared to TV and film uh, these days? I, I still think video games has maybe the most room for some the most creative things because it, it's just such a, a, a exactly. comparatively new new medium. You know, the room is there exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, as it should be, you know, but I still feel as a composer, you get restrained to a lot of times to, okay, the 10 music is from this movie, and so we want that. Right. And so why not let me do something that I think is better than that because it fits the game better, you know? So it's a battle a lot of times. Sure. Which sure. everybody goes through, but I'm just saying. Right. I'm just saying. But what about, what if you did something for like Little Big Planet? I mean, Daniel Pemberton's music for that is amazing. Right. And it's so quirky and offbeat and. You know, I can't. There is no film score that's really going to mesh with that kind of a game. Um, is that is that the kind of thing you would want to do? Well, I, I guess. I mean, I'm maybe I'm going to eat my own foot here, but I was <laughs> basically trying what I was, what I was trying to say is that I wish people would just let me do more of my thing as a composer, sort of like I did on Tron, for example. It was like, okay, let's take this, you know, pay homage to the old Wendy Carlos score, but at the same time, I want you for your do do what you think is right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that um, that combined with a more, with a, with a sense of writing something for, for a scene, for an emotional connection, you know, even though we have that already in parts in games, like uh, somebody mentioned earlier in Space Marines, the, the score is very emotional. And that's exactly what we try to do. We try to push it away from the typical action and get towards more the movie-like, emotional, you know, sort of like sad. Uh, uh, just get you feeling something instead of just saying, oh, cool, I killed another fool or ghoul or what. <laughs> but you know what? My thoughts are going so crazy right now that I don't no. know what I'm saying. I apologize. No, it's good. Everybody. No, no, no apologies needed. It's good, it's good stuff. Um, uh, and. Any other thoughts about where video game music is in comparison to the other major mediums right now? You know, if I may just go back quickly to uh, to the Battlefield comment about that jet scene. Yeah. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, that uh, Michael Giacchino for, uh, what is it, Medal of Honor? Was it Medal of Honor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did three of them. Yeah, there was plenty of scenes in there where suddenly the music took over and it seriously felt like a movie. I mean, it was like... yes. I was like, holy shit, those strings. And I was like, wow, this guy is really talented. And, yeah. and obviously we all love his work. But that kind of dynamic, you know, content, that's what we need in games more. We need more where they really pick uh, and choose the scene and, and really let, even if it's just for five seconds. 
mm. just really sort of mix the music up loud so you really hear it and bring everything down and and this is really like you know a job for itself on movies and tv you know i mean but when, when, but the, isn't that against the grain of where everything is going i mean movie movie scores are becoming much more subtle and sound palette and soundscape and TV. I mean, you know, we're just talking about Balsar Galactica. You know, it's it's certain colors and, you know, but it's not just, you know, when you compare Stu Phillips's music for the original Balsar Galactica with this bow, there's no, com- I mean, I'm sitting humming the original theme as I watch the new, because I see that ship, it looks like the same ship, but I'm still remembering Stu Phillips' score. You know, everything is much more flattened out if that's a ter- I mean it's all soundscapey it's all let's not be too in their face you know and that was the that was kind of the savior of the of this music when video games decided oh we're going to go we're going to do what movies used to do you know what i mean when outcast came out when metal of honor came out they were doing that great stuff I was like man this is the stuff that i love and and film and tv had moved away from that and now and now you know games are in some ways going that direction too like BF3 I think I was talking about more the technical aspect of things I mean oh sorry you're talking about the more creative stuff which I agree on but you know I, I basically just meant in a sense of like like I've noticed that in a lot of games the score was just too quiet uh, in, okay. in, in important moments and there's no way sort of like to fix that um, with, with controls that the user can change you know what I mean uh, oh I see that, that's, that's what I meant uh, just a bit more dynamic you know to be, to be played with Okay. Well, you can to some degree. I mean, you can boost the music and sound effect. You yeah, know, but they have those like settings. I'm talking about the mix within the game. You know, when okay. And this is all what I'm talking about is in game play. I'm not talking about cinematics that are being scored like a movie. I see. Uh, so you're just getting uh, a really uh, more of a sense to you know like okay, oh, I just killed these twenty uh, crazy fools, and then you know oh, I'm just I'm this badass or whatever. You know, there's a lot of right. to do that, but. Some games, it's just like a missed opportunity a little bit, you know. I see. Okay. All right. Good point. Okay. Uh, well, I think we're going to wrap it up unless anyone has any burning comments you you still have on the tip of your tongue. Um, coffee, man. You don't want to let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's why I just realized. We're, why am I talking so much? Okay. We're just waiting for the silent to come back out. That's all I've been waiting for. Yeah. And I'd just like to <laughs> chime in. Uh, and yeah. I don't... I don't <laughs> I, I don't usually do plugs often, but uh, the aforementioned Steve Burke uh, from Cameo, Elements of Power, composer of that yep. title, uh, he's, yep. he's back on the scene, and he's actually uh, releasing his new score for Fusion Genesis, uh, the yep. entire score for free, and he's, he's elected to do it through Score Notes. So if you get a oh, chance, nice. uh, check it out. It's it's not an orchestral score, but if you like his work, you, you could tell that he had some fun with it. So Okay, what? so it's that, that score, Fusion Genesis, is available on your site, scorenotes.com? Yep, along with the interview with Steve. And, uh, again, it's just a fun little diversion. So hope everyone gets a okay. chance to check it out. Okay, excellent. Right on. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I think that will just about wrap us up. I know, George Christick, you have a, a new project with Disney called Motor City coming out. Um, can you talk a little bit about that before we finish up here? Yeah, it's it's supposed to be coming out in January on um, Disney XD, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's a sci-fi action show. Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're really pushing the envelope on this, so hopefully the kids will dig it and the adults too. Have you already? Has it been scored any of the episodes? Uh, I'm not part of that process, but I would think that they, if if not, 
if they haven't started it, they're about to start. Do you know who scored the the upcoming Tron? Uh, I forget what the the subtitle is for the the, the animated the series. Yeah. Um, Does anyone know who scored that? I, I don't know honestly. I don't know, but I, I would imagine they might be using some of the the score from the film. Oh, that's cool and all, and I hope they write some <laughs> new stuff. Well, yeah, obviously they'll have to write a lot of new stuff, but it might be inspired by the, by the score. Sasha, do you have any idea? I mean, you worked on the tie-in video game. Yeah, I have I have no idea, man. No idea, okay. I'm really anxious to see that animated feature, actually. It looks The teaser looked pretty good. Um, okay, uh, well, of course, Sasha, yeah. the kitchen, you have Space Marine that's out there now, which we've loved on quite a bit here today. Um, do you have any new projects you can talk about? Uh, unfortunately, I can't get into details, uh, even though we, we are working on a game that is pretty much our biggest title to date. Wow, that's saying something. Uh, yeah, and it's really exciting, man, and I can't wait to share it next year. And so Mario Kart 5? Exactly. <laughs> awesome stuff, man. Distorted beats and everything. <laughs> um, you... Excellent. Well, okay. Next year. Well, next year, you said you can talk about early, it. Right? Early next year, yeah. I, I, you know, I might come back on the show and break it um, on. Awesome. I got to keep ahead of Tom's. He's starting to release me. He's becoming a record label, so <laughs> you got to come back on and keep, me, keep us ahead of the game here. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, Sasha, we thank you for coming on. George, as well, we thank you for coming on, of course. Thank you. Tom and, and Marius, it's always good. Um, to all of our listeners, uh, we always appreciate your uh, faithful listening. We also would appreciate you uh, helping us out. If you have an uh, extra couple bucks and you want to help us out with the expenses of running the Soundcast, you can do so by just going to TrackSounds.com. You'll see right on the homepage a way for you to, to donate towards the Soundcast. Um, and, of course, to any of the affiliate links you find on TrackSounds, be it Amazon, iTunes, Yes Asia, Movie Goods, any of our affiliates that we're part of, if you click through those links and buy stuff, well, that helps us out too. So we would appreciate you doing that. So until we are on the line and on the internet together again, as always, we ask you to stay tuned.